Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 219, Home Buying Tips in a Crazy Hot Market. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And we are coming off the heels of the spending symposium. We are quite tired, quite fulfilled and very excited <laughs> all of the things Always. that happen after a crazy fun high of an experience mm-hmm. and now talking about spending on housing the yes. largest purchase most of us will make in our lives so hopefully we've learned a lot from the spending symposium that can help to inform those of us who are looking to buy a house currently yeah uh, but we'll also turn to the internet like we normally do Yes, we will turn to the internet and also my personal experience of having just bought another house. We bought a house in 2017 and we closed in May on another house and we will be weaving some of that. Um, And Jill closed on a house in 2020. So we'll be weaving all of our knowledge of previous home buying current home buying and research from experts to help you decide whether it's the right time to buy a house and how to do it. Mm. But first, this episode is brought to you by the Frugal Friends Club. So we've reimagined our membership to be more accessible and more affordable for more people. And we can't wait to show you what's inside. So a few of the things that you will get is the Radical Middle Method video series, and it's going to walk you through step-by-step in designing your dream life, writing your one-page financial plan to get there. And every month you'll get a new challenge that'll help you save smarter, not harder. So you can live a frugal life in pursuit of your financial goals. So we have a ton of new members as we just wrapped up the summit yesterday. So it is the perfect time to join if you're looking for community, if you're looking for a hive mind, if you're looking for something to keep you motivated on your journey or to figure out where to go on your journey. It's a great resource. So head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to join in our July challenge, which is called the Mindset Makeover. 
if you are coming off the summit just like we are and just wanting more and feeling sad to miss all of your friends, join us in our mm-hmm. in our membership club because there's just more like that coming at you constantly. Yes. So if you are looking to buy a house, uh, then there are a few other episodes you might want to queue up for after this. Uh, We've got episode 161, which is Tips for First-Time Home Buyers with Scott Trench and Mindy Jensen of Bigger Pockets. We've got episode 124, which is how to save money when buying a house or refinancing. And then episode 67 uh, talks about if buying a house is the right frugal move for you. So 161, 124, and 67 are really good ones to queue up after. But with the caveat that with the exception of 161, this is a really unique time. And this is a really unique market. And we're going to talk about some of the nuances of it and maybe why some of the advice you've gotten previously from people who may have bought houses five, 10 years ago may Mm. not be worth listening to. And so we're going to dive into some of that in both of these articles that we're checking out today. So the first one is 12 tips for buying a home in a hot real estate market. And it's from Metashare.com for some reason, but they took it. It's a syndication from another website. So don't don't let the don't let the healthcare sharing website fool you. It is syndicated. Um, I know the writers, and they are uh, extremely smart women. So we're gonna go through all of these and uh, talk about some tips for buying. Jill, start us off. So the first one, if any of you have watched House Hunters, you're familiar with this step. Clarify your housing needs versus wants. It really is good to get this on paper. I think thinking through, processing, what do I want in a home can also help us figure out whether now is a good time to buy. There's some dual purposes in thinking through what what do I want? What do I need? Why do I want a house right now? And put that in in writing and then prioritize those things of what is a high-ranking need. This is in many ways a non-negotiable and what might be lower priority. And the article indicates that if we maybe buy a house that has some of our lower priority needs, but not our highest priority needs, we could end up regretting it. So having that time, taking that space to think all of those things through will help because for for many of you who know right now with how hot the housing market is, decisions have to be made very quickly. It's very fast paced. And in any type of market, buying a house, can it, it can feel like, wait, 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 okay, do everything everything right now. Mm-hmm. So have knowing these things ahead of time and being really clear about them will help in some of those very quick decision-making moments that you will most likely find yourself in. Yeah, it definitely is a hurry up and wait kind of scenario. And this list is super important because you will get to a point where you're like, give me anything. I'll take any house, please. <laughs> but it is it is worth taking your time. Even in a market this crazy, it is worth taking your time. Pay for the month-to-month rent. It is worth it to make this decision 
right. So definitely look at your non-negotiables, but be negotiable with a lot of things. Like if you're looking for the waterfall quartz countertop island, like that's probably not a a non-negotiable. So be realistic about your wants and needs. And recognize what can be done once you're in the home. It always made me laugh watching house hunters when they're like, I, they don't have stainless steel appliances. And for that reason, I'm out. And I'm like, you're going to not buy a couple hundred thousand dollar home just because of the appliances when you could buy the appliances yeah. that you want once you're in the home. So looking at more of the foundational pieces that are must-haves that would be very hard to create on your own versus the lower hanging fruit that's like, all right, it doesn't have this, but in time, I the space can I can create that in this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we're talking about a, a, a hundreds of thousands of dollars in a purchase, like you can get a stainless steel appliance package from Home Depot for three or four grand. So like don't let that be a big like difference for you. Second is to get your finances in order. So let's really dive into this one. Mm. So I've made a list of, of the most important points from this one. First, credit scores matter. Don't let anybody tell you that credit scores don't matter because they get you a better rate. If your credit score is zero and you plan to do manual underwriting, you will pay a higher interest rate and you will need to put 20% down. And putting 20% down in this market is unnecessary for a first home. Three and a half percent will get you in the house. You will need extra money in your bank account. Even if you're like, oh, I can afford to put five or 10% down, you will probably need extra money just in case if you do an appraisal gap on your um on your when you're under contract and it appraises for uh, 400 but you're like I'll do a $10,000 appraisal gap um and you might have to pay an extra 10,000 out of pocket that the bank won't pay. So it's more advantageous to you to have the money to do the 3.5% down if you can. Um uh, we did 5% down on our house. But you can also say like Uh, You can put down on like when you're putting in your offer. That's the word I was looking for, offer. You can say, I'm going to put down 20%. And then you go to your lender and you're like, I'm doing three and a half. Like they don't communicate until there's a contract, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying lie or do something unethical, but you can change your mind at any time. Like if you say 20% on the offer and you're like, meh, I'd rather do three and a half. That's fine. This one said, this article says to consider to get pre approved for at local companies, at local banks. I have found that I love credit unions, but they're taking a really long time, like 45 days to close. And nobody's going to, very few sellers are doing a 45 day close. They're preferring to sell to hedge funds that can do a, you know, two week close all cash, which we'll get into that later. But look at local banks, but also compare national. We ended up doing going with a national bank because the interest rate was lower than what we could get at a local. And you can always refinance into local. That's what we did with our first home. Uh, we went national and then we refinanced to our credit union. So get pre-approved at several lenders 
so local and national and get all compare apples to apples. So like what you can get at the same percent down with the same like price house, like all for just estimate's sake with no points and see what see what you get at all of them. You need to get pre-approved. I don't even think anybody's pre-qualifying right now. So I don't think that's a problem, but they will do a soft credit check. And then also whatever you are quoted is just the mortgage payment. And you want to be sure to add about 30% to that to predict your taxes and insurance and PMI. So whatever you get, add 30% and that just times it, you know, whatever, 2000 times 0.3 and then add that to the 2000 and and that's really closer to what you'll probably get your monthly payment to. So, mm-hmm. but if you take anything away from this, credit scores matter and don't even look at putting more than three and a half percent down. And and as so I'm not a real estate expert per se. I'm speaking from immediate experience and what I experienced. So take mm-hmm. what I say with a grain of salt. I'm our market is hotter than most other markets in the country too. So I'm a bit more jaded, but yeah. Yeah. And everyone's situation is going to be different. If you've got the 20% and extra, then then go for it. I think it can be great. Everyone's PMI is different. I know for some mm-hmm. people, it's an extreme weight when you don't put the 20% down. And for someone like me, I think we put 7% down and it's like an extra 30 bucks a month for the PMI. So to me, it's like, that's way better than having stretched to put 20% down. It's mm-hmm. it's pennies for now until, you know, we can get up to the point where we've paid off 20% of the house. So all that to say there's permission to do the three and a half and especially to make sure that there's room for the additional expenses, not just in the closing, but what you're going to run into with homeownership. And if Mm -hmm. something goes wrong or you want to do renovations so you can keep some cash in your pocket, especially if your interest rate is pretty low. Number three on here is to find a responsive and knowledgeable real estate agent. I could not agree with this more. And especially when we're talking about first time home buying, this, I just could scream from the rooftop. I think it can be really incredible if you want to help a friend out, but if, you know, who's just getting into real estate. But my suggestion is this is a big purchase. Mm -hmm. And if you've never done it before, it is best case scenario, especially in this housing market, to have someone who's very knowledgeable, knows what's going on, knows the neighborhoods, knows how to get in a deal, get it approved. I think we got our home because of the amazing real estate agent that we had. I don't think, I pretty much know we wouldn't have gotten this house if it weren't for him because the seller told us that. <laughs> so the, so speaking from my personal experience, having someone responsive and knowledgeable, so not just knowledgeable, but like they say, responsive, available, someone who is able to 
answer their phone of all hours of the night. You know, someone without a family no. and a spouse okay. at home. No. So there are boundaries in work. So I never expected to talk to our agent past 9 p.m. Yeah. Um, and we actually had like a we lost a house because our real I mean, th- because of the stupid like if you're doing business at 11 p.m., I don't real I don't want to do business with you. But but yeah, so I don't I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right to be working at all hours of the day. But every time I needed our agent, he was there. And so I uh, call up several. Get offer like start out working with several and stick with the one who you feel best about, who's bringing you the most deals who is the most invested in you. We tried out, I mean, we went with, so we were trying to work with investor-friendly agents because that's what we were most looking at. And then it just ended up that we couldn't compete with investors. And so we had to like switch to owner-occupied. But we got, um, I mean, three or four agents. And they either wouldn't give us the time of day or didn't know, didn't understand what we wanted. And this one came from a referral. We hired a real estate coach. Shout out to Sarah Weaver. Uh, You can find her on Instagram. And she recommended um, our agent Calvin to us. Um, And so that's who we ended up going with because he was the most responsive. He understood us the most. He was local. So we started out with several and then we just winnowed it down over like a few weeks. And so that's more, you are not contractually obligated to any like agent at first. You can definitely try them out um, and see who's going to go to bat for you and then pick that one. Like don't, everyone in their mom is a real estate agent. You're not obligated to anybody who's not doesn't know their stuff and will go to bat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Finding someone who's full time is recommended. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially right now. So number four, I really liked this one. Tell everyone that you are on the hunt for a house. Just tell everyone. Don't let it be a secret. Because if you tell everyone, tell your mom, tell tell your friends, your mom's friends, tell everyone. Um, Because if there's a chance you can get an off-market deal through word of mouth, Mm -hmm. you can save a ton of money if you can get something like, you know, my mom's friend, um, my my mom's mom's friend died and they didn't know what they were going to do with the house. And so we kind of looked into if we could buy the house and they ended up just like selling it because the market was so hot. But if it was a closer like friend or relative, I'm sure we could have had more conversations about that. So just tell people what you're doing and see if that's something that can happen for you to get an off-market deal. Number five, watch for new listings and then stay in touch with your realtor. So you don't have to only let your realtor do all of the work and just call you up when they find something. If you are actively wanting a house, you need a house 
now, sooner rather than later, you can also be a part of that search process. It is very possible that you could find something that is not on your realtor's radar, but yet they could be an incredible help in then making that final sale happen. This was my and Eric's experience. He actually found a house that was only listed on Zillow for sale by owner. Our realtor never did see it. So the fact that we were able to find it and then you Utilize him to kind of close the deal was incredibly helpful. So definitely be on those sites, be searching. It's very possible that you might find something just as it's listed and be able to pounce in the right timing that the place could be yours. Yeah, we had the same experience for our first house. It was uh, for sale by owner because the flipper was also a realtor. And so she just represented herself and didn't put it on the MLS for some reason. So, and then this one, we found it ourselves. So like it, you, you have to be proactive. You have to be doing your own research and, and everyone looking for a house is on Zillow night and day. So this isn't something that we have to reiterate. Um, but just know like you, you have as much, if not more access to everything that's out there than like your realtor. So. Next, we're going to combine six, seven, and eight. So these are basically getting your offer in order. So six is to put in a strong, clean offer. Seven is to consider contingencies. And eight is don't make demands of the sellers. And these are all very true. Uh, we so we were looking for about six months, um, and and our story started as we were looking for an investment property initially. We had saved up enough to put 25 percent down on an investment property, and we were going to do hard money, which is considered like a cash offer. So we were we went in very well prepared. In any other market we would have been very well prepared to buy an investment property. But there were too many investors looking at the houses that we were able to afford with that, you know, 20, 25% down. They were paying for those houses in cash. Two-week close, no inspection, no contingencies, all cash as is, like these were the offers we were competing with and we just we couldn't compete and i know other people are looking at the same like first time home buyers we were standing next to them you know same deal they were going to put down even less and they wanted traditional mortgages and just there was absolutely no competing against them and it's made me truly embittered honestly by the process of I don't hate real estate investors like we are real estate investors now technically but corporations and hedge funds going in and buying up communities like there are communities where 30% of all homes purchased were were purchased by corporations and hedge funds and in predominantly bl- black communities like they are they are consuming they are wiping out the market for first time home buyers and mom and pop investors and it is it has embittered me to the process um so if that comes out <laughs> i'm super sorry <laughs> but so the so what i experienced is definitely to put in 
a strong offer is really one that to people who bought a house five years ago would would seem stupid. Like it would seem very stupid. We in February, our realtor was saying like he lost four million put in offer like four million dollars in offers that got lost. And the ones that got taken, they were seeing we were seeing sixty to seventy K over asking, no inspection, all cash. And so in a lot of it, in a lot of the country, it's about 15 to 20% conservatively that's being pot all cash. Um, we're seeing 25 in a lot of places. In Florida, it's about half. Half of homes sold in recent months. I can't, I, th- I'm looking at like at a different article for these uh, facts, but it was half of homes sold were paid for in cash according to the National Association of Realtors. So there are companies that will help you make a cash offer that are not hard money. So you've got companies like Ribbon and Homelight that will charge you one to one and a half percent of the home's value, um, but they will make a cash offer on your behalf. And then in the time in the month that you're closing, you have time to switch that to a traditional mortgage. But the offer looks stronger because the offer is cash. Um, There's also Orchard. That's just in Texas. But so if you want to look into Ribbon and Homelight and Orchard, these you will pay a little bit more for it, but they will do cash offers on your behalf. So yeah, there is... But even still with Ribbon, they require a three-day inspection period. So there you you have to go in your realtor should know the state of the market you need to be asking them how much over asking our house is going for what are the contingencies what are the inspection like ask all these questions so you know in advance what to expect for your offer if they're like the offers that are winning are are 50k over asking 3 day inspection um, traditional mortgage or cash offers, then you know you need to go. You know if it's cash offers winning, you know you need to go with a with a cash offer. If they can't answer these questions, you need to move on to a realtor that does know what offers are getting accepted. And then you also want to ask which offers are not getting accepted. What's the common denominator between offers you see not getting accepted? So you know you can't do that in your offer. It's going to be a little different in different places throughout the country, but your realtor really is your asset when um, deciding what a strong, clean offer is. (laughs) All in all, it is going to take a bit more fortitude in this market for a buyer. It just there's just a lot more stacked against. It's the, it's not saying don't buy, but certainly consider all these things that are being said and talked about in these articles of whether or not now is the exact right time for you. I know mm-hmm. some of us we that's it's not an option. We for various reasons it is necessary. And so this episode's for you, but if you don't have to, 
uh, or or you're not <laughs> sure that you're cut out for what all it's going to take right now, just consider that. Yeah. Number nine is talking about including an offer letter. So th- this was something new to me, I don't know, within the past few years that people might take a more personalized approach and write a letter to the seller of what attracted them to the property, mentioning personal touches that you admire, sharing some of the memories that you hope to make in the new home. And it's definitely, uh, this is not a part of the home buying process that you have to do. Some people choose to, some people don't. I know, Jen, you are not a fan of this. So curious to hear your perspective. So I I had asked, I was like, would it help if we did this? And our realtor made a really good point is that they're, everybody is advising against it because it it actually goes against fair housing laws or it can go against fair housing laws where if somebody doesn't want somebody of a certain religion on their street or of a certain race or of a certain in like interest group i don't know if they see that in the letter it could actually hurt their chances um or it can um impede diversity so if somebody wants somebody who looks like them entering the neighborhood and they see that through a letter and choose them versus somebody who may be of um a different you know religion or race that could slow down um, diversity coming to neighborhoods. And so Mm. really, it's not a great idea. Realtors are starting to advise against it. Some, if they do, if if the buyer really does want to send a letter, they'll redact um, names and just make it very generalized. But it doesn't really help anymore. Realtors are advising against it. And I think there's probably going to be he, our realtor thought there was going to be something soon that actually stopped prohibited. it from happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. prohibited yeah. it. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, ten is be ready for a bidding war, and um, it's it's happening. It's there. Uh, be prepared. Like we put in an offer every week for about six weeks, so be 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 prepared to do that for at least mm-hmm. a few months, and just get up your resolve because remember that first. Part one, step one, is make your lists of non-negotiables. And you need to be prepared to, you know, to not put in an offer on something that like doesn't meet those non-negotiables. The more you get into it, the less, the more negotiable those non-negotiables become. But you just need to you need to be prepared to put in a bunch of offers mm-hmm. and to just keep doing it. That said too, though, I think it's important for you to be really clear on what is the top of your budget because I think through this process mm-hmm. and going through many bidding wars, folks can get really worn down but please don't find yourself house poor at the end of this, having maybe gotten a home, but you actually can't afford it even if you were approved for it. So that blends into number 11 and 12, be patient and be persistent. I think there's a whole other emotional self-care and regulation piece that's connected to this because it really can be an emotional roller coaster, not only for your your home, your living space, but also investing a ton of money into buying a home. There's a whole lot of emotional, relational, physical, mental dynamics that go into this. So 
also engaging in some of those exercises that are going to help you to maintain that persistence, maintain that patience, knowing that something is going to work out. And it might seem devastating when the place that you thought was perfect doesn't work out, but finding something that's going to be anchoring to you through the process, because home buying is stressful to begin with. And again, Mm -hmm. we are in a really extra difficult housing market for buyers. So practice some of those resilience pieces Mm -hmm. that will carry you through this time. Um, Yeah. And hopefully find a support network through it as well. (laughs) Yeah. And if you, I mean, if you want to buy a house, you will buy a house. It will take time. It will take perseverance, but you can do it. And I'm not going to say don't buy a house. I just bought a second house. Like, and I didn't need to do that. And I just did it. So like, I'm not going to tell you not to buy a house in this market. It's just, you have to be, I just, we just want you to be prepared. Uh, I wrote down here, (laughs) offer, lose, cry, drink wine, start again. That was my process (laughs) pretty much every week. And yeah. And then... (laughs) I needed even more wine when it came time to get approved for the mortgage. That is difficult. They, I mean, lending is super, I mean, because everybody wants a house, there's a shortage of housing. And so they're like, they don't care. They just, they want everything from you. They want to make sure you're the best possible candidate because if they don't get you, they can get someone with more money or they can get an all cash offer. So like lending is, I mean, very intense right now. So they want everything from you and they want everything at the last minute. So know that. I On both of the houses, we were under contract on two houses, two and a half. Uh, before we got ours, everything was left at the last minute. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com. 
I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. So speaking of lending... We wanted to spend a few minutes. We won't hound on this for too much longer because you've pretty much, these are all the tips. But we wanted to spend a few minutes looking at a second article uh, called Housing Market Predictions for 2022 to 2025. And so this was written, um, this is a collection of expert studies and data across multiple different real estate data companies updated monthly. This one was updated in April, I think, because we just finished May when we're recording this. But so, yeah, we're not going to go super deep into this, but we did want to touch on a few of the housing market forecasts, why the market's hot, why it's going to cool down, but not um, but not crash, essentially. And why why experts predict this. So Jill, I know <laughs> you did not love this article. <laughs> I just, I mean, I think we we know we don't know. None of us know for sure. And I think sometimes with predictions, there can be various motivations for the predictions that people make given their interests and Mm -hmm. what is going to be useful for them to say. But I think it's worth listening to a lot of these different voices to inform our own decision making. Because if we are of the mindset of, well, soon something's going to have to happen and I'm going to be able to scoop up homes for dirt cheap, that that might not be the case. Like if if we're holding out, we're deciding not to buy right now, it, it can be helpful to know, well, what are some of the experts saying related to this? So yeah, I, on the one hand, I'm like, we don't know. None of us know. Uh, we've got to do the best we can with what we've given and the knowledge that we have. But it, it can be valuable to look at it. So they're looking at the next three years of what what we think is going to happen with the housing market, what they think is going to happen with the housing market. And it can be informative of if you're holding out may, may, because you think something's going to change drastically. Well, experts are saying it it might not. And so you know, we'll just read off a couple of quotes that stand out from this article, the one being that explaining that prices are rising because of the mismatch between supply and demand, but that doesn't mean that it's a housing bubble. That previously, many people were predicting that the pandemic would cause a housing crash, similar to what we saw during the Great Depression, but that hasn't happened. And experts are saying it most likely will not happen and that the market is in far better shape today than it was a decade ago and that the housing industry has had a boom in the last year with the largest annual gain in a single family 
house values and rentals, uh, historically low foreclosure rates, highest number of home sales in 15 years. So just kind of indicating that it doesn't look like much is going to change. We might see some things that might be a bit more favorable, but if you're waiting to be able to scoop up homes for under 200,000, I don't know, it just might not, (laughs) might not be a reality. Yeah, I heard at a family function a few months ago that um, Travis's uncle said that he was waiting for another crash to um, for he told his daughter not to buy a house to wait for the next crash. And I'm sitting there like, this is not great advice. Like highs and lows happen. We see it in this. We're seeing it in the stock market and we see it historically. So there will be a, a slowdown and, and possibly even a correction. But there's a lot of legislation that's been put in place and a lot of money that's been put into place to ensure what happened in 2008 does not happen again. So we'll, we won't see something like that. We would see something different. And so I think the biggest, I mean, let's not look at speculation. We'll just look at facts that the article talks about is that millennials have been delayed into home buying. And there's more millennials than any other generation currently um, buying houses and they're they're first time home buyers. So there is there has been a decade long shortage of new home uh, production. Uh, And so there is a discrepancy between lower inventory of starter homes, essentially, and more millennials trying to buy homes right now. So normally, it just kind of paces, um, but a lot of millennials have been delayed, and so a lot more are looking to buy in one cramped period of time. And then also, there wasn't a lot going on in 2020 with home sales, um, you know, for for reasons we know. So there's also a little catch-up that kind of plays into why there was the highest number of home sales in, in 2021. So those things all combined is that the decade-long shortage of new new building and all the millennials trying to buy and the pandemic. So this all has created a perfect storm of to to create the hot market. And so we know that it also takes time to build new houses. There's also a labor shortage. So the speed at which houses are still being built right now still isn't fast enough to close that gap um, in the next three years. That's the prediction. That could change too. But so... And like I said, it's very difficult to get a mortgage. You have to be very qualified. And 25 to 30% of houses are being paid for in cash. So the factors that were there for the last crash we saw are not there now. So it would have to be something different and unique that would bring on a crash. So like the things we're seeing now aren't indicators of, of one. And then we have the rising mortgage rates, which would, in a normal sense, say like, oh, it's going to you know, turn into a, um, a buyer's market now. But again, because of the low inventory, so many houses being paid for in cash, uh, it's just not, it's not, the experts say it's not enough to flip it. 
Yeah, we were chatting a little bit about this before we pressed record. And I think that helped to answer some of my questions around why are we seeing this nationwide within the states of what people are calling a housing shortage. It makes sense in the Tampa Bay area where you and I are. Everyone wants to move to the amazing weather and beautiful turquoise water. But like, why is Indiana experiencing this too? Indiana's great too, for their own reasons. And and that that helps to inform why are we seeing what we're seeing so that we can wrap our heads around it, make sense of it, again, be informed with the decisions that we're making of, okay, this is why, rather than just feeling so out of control and like what's going on, because there's a lot of that that's happening when we're trying to buy currently that can be really frustrating. So even just having an understanding of how did we find ourselves in this place? What's the trajectory moving forward? What do we see could be some helpful shifts? What might not shift? So then how do I want to shift around that with what is inside my control. So all of this is just informative, I think. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, it can be helpful to know that folks are not predicting uh, a housing market crash like what we've seen in the past. And, you know, there's real reasons behind what we're seeing. It's not just arbitrary because of the number of millennials that are first-time homebuyers right now. Yeah. But I'll also point out that only... In April of 2022, only 28% of buyers were first-time buyers, while 17% were investors or second-home buyers. And historically, first-time buyers account for approximately 40% of the market. And so we are seeing a shift to more hedge funds and corporations buying. Usually that that's 17 number. Um, I saw it in an, somewhere else in this article is about 12%. So that is increasing. And while first time home buying is decreasing. And I can't tell you the reason for that. Um, but I can tell you what I've experienced is that first time home buyers don't have a chance in this market for what they can afford because investors are buying everything. Like we had to buy something that was definitely not a starter home in order to be able to get back into the market. Uh, and so. All I want to say is like, stop selling to hedge funds. Tell your parents, tell your parents' friends, stop selling to corporations. Because that's really where this is coming coming to is people are listening to the commercials on the radio and TV and the flyers and they quick close, all cash, no hassles, yada, yada. And it seems really easy and it is, um, but it's created this shift where it is easier for an investor to get a house than it is for a first-time home buyer. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's the reality. And I don't know what that's going to do to the market. I, I it, It's not sustainable. I just, I don't know what it's going to do to the market. Um, but, and, and yeah, foreclosures and short sales are less than 1% of sales in April, 2022. So, which is down, um, from from 2% in April 2021. So it's there's no room for I I can't speculate on what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. But those yeah. are the facts. 
There's some there's some social change pieces, policy change mm-hmm. pieces, uh, activism pieces that are certainly wrapped up in this and what you're highlighting, Jen. And at the end of the day, everything that makes frugality amazing is still amazing. Implementing problem solving and research and making informed, wise, good stewarding decisions can get you in a home if that is what is mm-hmm. going to be best case scenario for you. We're just in some ways commiserating with those of you who are finding yourselves in that process and recognizing the emotional toll it can take and finding a community around you and then also finding some ways to resolve some of the more macro level issues that we're noticing with the housing market. So a lot of different layers, but if you're an individual listening, it is possible uh, yes. But recognize the fortitude and grit that it will take. Speaking yes. of something that doesn't require much fortitude and grit and just gives us the joy that we need to keep going. It is the respite. The, the bill, bill of the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hello, Jen. Hello, Jill. Hi, my name's Emily. I've been listening to you for about, I don't know, three months now. And my Bill of the Week is comprehensive car insurance. I had a deer hit the side of my car, and the the cost of making the car look pretty was $4,000 that I didn't have to pay because I've been paying comprehensive car insurance. Have a great week. This is the second bill in a row about car insurance, and I love it because I also pay for full coverage car insurance even though I don't have to and it's for stuff like this I mean not necessarily deers but other (laughs) unforeseeables and it's just deer and that's how you know Jen grew up in Florida (laughs) not around here there are not (laughs) deer here it's both the singular and the plural how's that for the English language (laughs) Emily how amazing I'm so glad that your car looks beautiful again and that you don't have to pay that high price because of the monthly payments you made and that you're okay after that run in with the deer at least it sounds like you are if you're able to call it in your bill of the week Oh, if you're listening and you want to submit your bill of the week, if it's about deer or car, <laughs> cars, <laughs> that cars. one is plural. Deers, deer, car. Deer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Visit FringleFriendsPodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. 
And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Now it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> So let's talk about one tip about the home buying process. Nobody told you that you wish you'd known. Jill? I wish I'd known about the stamps. I don't, there's nothing I could have done about it. I just wish I would have known about the stamps. Anyone the who stamps. has bought a home, I still don't know what they are, Jen. I think people have tried to explain it to me. But I just remember seeing this line item after line item listing out stamps and they were expensive (laughs) too like four hundred dollars for some stamps and i'm thinking are these postage stamps sticker stamps are these just ink pad stamp what in the world kind of stamps are we talking about are they made of gold diamonds sapphire pearls i don't know but I think the main thing is that everything is negotiable. <laughs> except That's for the stamps. That's the main point, except, except for, for the, the stamps. stamps. Oh, well, yeah. So interest rate was negotiable. How much we pay realtor was negotiable. Price of the home, although n- n- nowadays, it, not totally. And it wasn't totally for us when the house was for sale by owner. But just know that we can implement some of these negotiation things. And even if the price of the home isn't negotiable, maybe there's some other things that we can weave in to be able to get what we need and maybe just negotiating with ourselves at the end of the day is mm-hmm. uh, what, what we need. But also, I think I was really surprised by how much cash I needed to just close. I think I thought that I was estimating really liberally. I thought, oh, I'm just going to tack on thousands of dollars. And it just still wasn't enough by the time the stamps came around and... <laughs> Paying different, I can't even remember what all it was. It's just be prepared to have a lot of cash on hand. It's not just the down payment. Yeah. Uh, Mine is you are not married to your realtor, like your first realtor you pick. You try out realtors, date them, and see who cares the most about you, who cares the most about your business. If you don't get good vibes, drop them. Like you're, I mean, just because they looked at a few houses with you does not mean you're obligated to stick with them. Choose one that will go to bat for you and is available during work. Like their working hours are after work and weekends. So they need to be available 
to see houses any day of the week that you are available any day of the weekend, like maybe not at midnight, that's fine, but like any other time you're available. So just, I mean, don't go with a realtor that doesn't jive well with you. Let us know how you all are navigating this housing market if you've got more tips. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Many of you know we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges and we offer Mm -hmm. accountability groups. So more of that community. So if you are in the first time home buying process, we're here for you. Come come get at this community. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win that they just experienced. This comes from Vanessa, who says, I've been making around $200 to $300 per week week with Corner Shop, and I've been funding my future trip to Niagara with it. My best friend is in the midst of a separation, so I wanted to make sure everything was covered ahead of time, even restaurants. I knew she wouldn't accept me paying for everything, but I told her, look, take five years paying me back if you'd like, but know that it's all taken care of already so we can enjoy our trip and not worry about the money. So I'm glad I could do that for her, and it's making it less stressful for me as well. Love that generosity. That's amazing, Vanessa. Yes, we are big proponents for generosity and serving and helping one another. So Vanessa, congrats. And Vanessa recently just met her accountability partner in real life. Vanessa and Christy got together and took a picture and posted it. It was like the dream of my life. Uh, So (laughs) thanks for sharing that, Vanessa. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to see what challenge we have coming up next. See you next week. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.